There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Gin Blossom's lead singer Robin Wilson fronts the Smithereens twice this weekend in the D.C. area, first at the State Theater in Falls Church, Virginia on Saturday, then at the Ram's Head in Annapolis, Maryland on Sunday. He joined me to preview both gigs and share his lifelong fandom of the Smithereens, as well as to break down his own biggest Gin Blossom's hits, including Hey Jealousy, Found Out About You, Till I Hear It From You, Allison Road, and Follow You Down. Hello. Hey, Robin Wilson. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP in Washington, D.C. Well, thank you very much, Jason. I appreciate you having me on the air and helping us promote our upcoming show. Thank you. Of course, of course. Well, everyone, of course, knows your voice mostly from, you know, the front man of the Jim Blossoms. But these shows we're promoting, yeah. uh, you'll be fronting the Smithereens, another famous band of, of generally the same era, you know, 80s, 90s, a ton of hits. Uh, you'll be at the State Theater in Falls Church, Virginia on January 20th and then Rams Head in Annapolis on January 21st. So two chances to see you. So, hey, uh, r- remind remind our listeners, maybe if they, if they haven't, you know, are, aren't familiar, like, you know, the, the, the Smithereens lead singer Pat Denizio passed away in, what, 2017. So you and Marshall Crenshaw have been, been basically taking turns fronting it. Is that is that right? That is correct. Marshall gets most of the work because my other band, Jim Blossoms, keeps me busy out on the road. And I'm, I'm actually uh, in Northern California today to uh, to do a Jim Blossom show at a really nice casino up here. And then um, I wish I could do more with the Smithereens, but, you know, I, I get in there when, when I can. But I'm, I'm real excited about this run that starts next week. We're going from Philly down to Falls Church to Annapolis. Then we go to uh, Nashville, where we're playing at the Ryman Auditorium to support Mr. Big. That's very cool. And then we're playing in New York City at Sony Hall. So it's a five-date run, and um, I'm very excited about it. I love playing with the Smithereens. It's great music. And for the first time since I've been working with them, I'm going to be playing electric guitar on this run. And so I'm very excited to play electric guitar on stage again, which I haven't done in like 17 years. So uh, I've, I've got really cool guitars I've got a really cool pedal board and I can't wait to like break that out and 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 be a rock and guitar player on stage with the Smithereens. Awesome. Get to bust out some new toys with for us. That's awesome. Um, yes, indeed. Actually, they're vintage toys. These are the same guitars I played back in the 90s uh and you know, one of the reasons I bought a Rickenbacker was because I was a fan of Smithereens and REM and the Beatles and the Birds and all those uh, Tom Petty, all the all those great artists that played Rickenbackers, and that's how I wanted to sound when I played uh, when I play rhythm guitar. 
And so I've got this beautiful Rickenbacker 330 that uh, that I, I get to use it in the studio and I play it around the house, but I haven't had it uh, on stage. I haven't been able to wield it as a, a rhythm guitar player live on stage in a long time. So I'm very excited about it. I love that you just mentioned Tom Petty because he had that Christmas song where he asked Santa for a new Rickenbacker guitar. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, of course, one of one of my heroes, you know, and uh, I, and and the Smithereens too. You know, I was a huge yeah. fan of their music before I ever started playing with them. I've been listening to them since their first album came out, especially for you. It was a it was a big record in in the Tempe music scene where I came up. Uh, in Tempe, Arizona, the Smithereens had a huge impact on our music scene. And everybody that I knew and all of my friends, we were all really into the Smithereens. And um, I actually got to meet them in 1988. I was working at a record store and they came through town promoting their second album, Green Thoughts. And we did an in-store appearance with them at the record store. And I was so excited to meet them. And Went to the show that night and I actually stole the set list off of the stage at the end of the show. And I had it hanging in my recording studio for for many, many years. And once a long time ago in 1997, Pat Denizio came through town and he made a, a solo record in my studio. And I got to take him into the, the little workshop area and show him that I had his handwritten set list uh, on the wall. And it was a, it was always a treasured memento. And he was really, you know, he laughed and he put his arm around me and goes, that's so cool. You know, I appreciate that you're such a fan. And is this makes me laugh because I look at this set list and I realized that back then we had so few songs and uh, he got a big laugh out of that. And, uh, uh, you know, I got to know Pat a little bit. I didn't know him too well, but uh, I didn't really know the other guys at all until I started working with them. And and now I love them to death. They're great. I can't wait to play with them next week. Those are such oh. good stories with the lyrics. And the, I mean, I, so you're, I didn't realize your Smithereendom fandom goes back, way back. So you, I guess you were what, like 15 when they, and the Smithereens formed in Jersey, I guess in 80, right? Yeah, you were born 16. In 1980, yeah, I would have been about 15. Yeah. And I was I was uh, 20 when their first album came out. I was 22 when Green Thoughts uh, oh, perfect came out. And uh, yeah, you know, those very formative years as a young rock and roller and a songwriter and learning to sing. And right. I, I used to do uh, some of their songs in a cover band and I, I did some of their tunes in my acoustic solo happy hour gigs and uh they've just always been a big part of, of of my music collection and now to be a part of that band is is super cool and like i said a lot of my friends and family are fans my my brother lee is a huge smithereens fan he's always followed them and when i when i first started working with him my brother said to me you know, Rob, I always thought it was cool that you were in the Jim Blossoms, but no big deal. But now that you're in the Smithereens, I'm going to have to start. I'm going to have to start taking you seriously. And <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was that was like a perfect, you know, encapsulation. You know, it, it really even with my bandmates in Jim Blossoms, you know, all of a sudden I have like all of this credibility <laughs> that uh, that they didn't that they didn't realize I uh, that I had. So. Uh, 
Yeah, it's a, it's a big deal for me. I absolutely love being a part of the group, and I can't wait to do these shows next week. It's going to be awesome. That's hilarious, because so many of us Jim Blossoms fans would say that that's validation enough. But for you, it's saying for you being in the smithereens was the seal of approval that finally did it. I love it. Yes, um, yes hey, indeed. So, uh, I mean, I mean, maybe we can get into Jim Blossoms later, you know, if we have time. But let's start with some of the smithereens hits you you were talking about. Um, yeah, that that first album um had Blood and Roses on it, you know, especially for you as the album. But Blood and Roses, I assume we'll hear that if we turn out to these shows. So, yeah, well, how fun is that one playing a song like you grew up? You know, you said you grew up listening to it. What's it like actually getting to sing it? It's 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 great. It's such a thrill to be on stage with those guys. I you know I I've known these songs my whole life, and um, you know I I as a singer I had covered them so much. Pat's vocal inflections and his cadence and delivery was always something that had worked its way into my uh, my performance and delivery. You know, in the same way that you know I. I came up singing along with records by Queen and Cheap Trick and Tom Petty and uh, Michael Stipe of R.E.M. And all of those guys have uh, helped shape the way that I deliver my vocal performances. And Pat Denizio is in there, too. You know, I when I when I joined up with these dudes, I I knew most of the songs already, but then I, I really had to get into it and memorize all the lyrics. But as far as like the cadence of the delivery and the notes, uh, I, I've had that I've had that down. And it was just a matter of memorizing the thousands and thousands of, of lyrics. Uh, and it, they really are. There's It's a ton of lyrics. There's probably like at least uh one and a half times as many words in a smithereen song as there are in a typical Jim Blossom song. <laughs> There's a lot more words uh, to, to memorize. And, and Pat has a, a clever way of writing lyrics that it's it, just about any one of the verses can be delivered uh, in, out of sequence. And so sometimes it gets confusing. It's not like a a b c kind of thing where you can it has to be delivered in a certain order for the song to make sense you can sort of jumble up the verses and that that gets confusing to me and then he also has a habit of like changing every chorus jesus so uh it, it can be a, a it was a lot of work like really memorizing all of the lyrics properly and there's one song he's got where there's five different choruses every you, you do the chorus five times and the words change for every single one you know so it, it's almost like from beyond the grave he's giving me the finger and <laughs> saying you just just try and keep up with my genius you know uh, so uh, anyway i like i said it's it's worth all the effort that's awesome that's awesome yeah and obviously these songs that you're talking about I mean, they were, you know, rock radio fans remember the songs themselves, but I'm also a big movie guy, and there was a ton of cool movie tie-ins for a lot of those hits, like Blood and Roses, I think the video had some clips from um, Dangerously Close, that movie. Uh, Bull Durham uh, had Only a Memory, and Only a Memory was in the, the movie Bull Durham. Love that movie. And then, as I was going back and researching, I forgot that A Girl Like You, which came out in 89, was originally written for uh, Say Anything, but they said that there there was too many plot spoilers, but they refused to change the lyrics, so they 
think they took it out out of the movie. But did, did, I, I, were you aware of any of that? Those Hollywood tie-ins on some of those? <laughs> well, I I knew about the uh, I I forgot the name of the movie. Say anything. I didn't. I wouldn't have been able to recall that. But I do remember hearing that they had written the song for a movie and then it got rejected because it was it was too uh, literal an interpretation of the movie. But uh, but I, I wouldn't have been able to remember that that was that was the name of the movie. You just remember John Cusack with the boombox over his head. You remember the uh, image, uh, but not the title. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. I heard uh, Peter Gabriel the other day and immediately it's, you know, like my my brain becomes infected with, you know, images of John Cusack. And it's like, God <laughs> damn it. Can I just can I just listen to this song without having to think about him? You know, I mean, he's a great actor and I've always loved his movies and stuff, but uh you know that's 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 where your brain goes you know when you hear that tune so music music is like that in movies actually Cusack's in town this month at Warner Theater screen in that movie so there you go another plug but but yeah i mean a girl like you was great and then too much passion passion there's so many that that you'll be, you'll be able to perform um it's just great um well i i don't know will will the set i assume it's mostly smithereen stuff cuz you're fronting them but do you ever do any fun winks to the audience and mix in any jim blossom stuff like any encores or anything not really. There was there was one there was a couple times where both Marshall Crenshaw and I were there singing and we were like tag teaming the vocals throughout the show. And at that show for the for the encore, Marshall and I took the stage and we performed a song that he and I and our guitar player Jesse had written together, which was one of the biggest Jim Blossoms hits uh, till I hear it from you. So I've Marshall and I have done that a couple times at Smithereens gigs, but in general, uh, you know, I, I I'm never going to go to the the Smithereens and say, "Hey, can we learn Hey Jealousy?" or "Can we do this Jim Blossoms tune?" I I I don't see the point of that. Um, if if they if the audience ever demands it or uh, the band ever thinks it's a good idea, then I would. I would just do like a solo acoustic interpretation of a Jim Blossom song during the encore, just as like a special bonus. But the getting them to learn a Jim Blossom song, I don't see the point of that, you know, and, uh, and I'm certainly not going to ask uh, Jim Blossoms to perform a, a smithereens tune, but um, there was a time last, last spring we played at Hootie Fest, in Cancun, Mexico, and the guys in Hootie and the Blowfish are really big Smithereens fans. Nice. And when they when they heard that I was fronting the Smithereens uh, one night during the festival, they called me out on stage uh, to sing "Blood and Roses" uh, with Hootie and the Blowfish. So that's wow. that's as close as I figure I'll ever come to uh, like mixing all these things up. <laughs> and Hootie, they've come on with us a couple times because they're from there. They have some members from up this way in Virginia, I think. So, um, yes, and, no, Maryland, yes, Maryland. Indeed. Yeah. But, yes. Uh, and uh, in fact, when I I was looking at my calendar uh, a couple of weeks ago and I saw that we were playing at the Rams Head, which is a legendary club for touring rock bands in this country. Um, everybody's played at the Rams Head. The Jim Blossoms have played there for like 15 years in a row and i remember a couple of times when i was there seeing posters of mark bryant from hootie and the blowfish 
that he had solo gigs coming up uh, at the Rams head in Annapolis. So now when I think of the Rams head, I think of Mark Bryant. And so I, I texted him uh, a couple of weeks back and I'm like, dude, I just looked at my calendar. I saw Rams head and I thought of you. And, uh, and he, he wrote back with a thumbs up saying, yeah, I love that joint. So <laughs> Mark Bryan is literally the, the band member I was talking about. He, he joined us a couple months, I guess like a year or two ago now, but uh, what a guy, awesome guy. Um, well, that's great. Well, I know our listeners when they're listening to this, I mean, I, we, I think we thoroughly plugged this smithereens, but I I'm sure what, if they, they see your name, they're going to be like, Oh, please at least ask a couple questions about Jim Blossoms. Do you have any time to go through a couple of them or you got to run? Yeah, sure, sure. Sure. All right. All right. Uh, so yeah, I know you yeah, mean? I know you joined. Uh, you joined the band. You 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 mentioned Tempe, Arizona area in like '88, but you weren't the lead vocalist at first, right? You were you replaced the guitarist, but you quickly got bumped over to to lead vocals. Uh, for the, for that first album, uh, Dusted in '89. Um, that of course had Hey Jealousy. Uh, just memories of putting that one together. It, was, it wasn't written by you, right? That was the guitarist, I think, right? Wrote it. Yes, our guitar, our founding guitar player Doug Hopkins wrote Hey Jealousy about it's about a week before we were scheduled to record our debut record down in Tucson. And he he showed me the song at, at rehearsal. And, you know, immediately we knew this was a this was a great tune. And so we learned it that night at rehearsal. And it, it sounded so great from the beginning. We, you know, we said we got to record this next week when we make the record. And so we put it on our first album. And uh, then when we got signed to A&M Records and went to record our debut for them, of course, that one uh, was one of the founding tunes that we were going to put on the record. And I honestly didn't think of it as a single. I, I knew it was a great song, but I didn't really think it was the single. And I was pushing the label for for the for some of the other tunes to be singles. But uh uh, you know, I guess there's there's something in there that I didn't quite see, <laughs> and I didn't. I I guess I was just too close to all the the material to have the perspective that an A and R guy might have. So I I didn't think jealousy was the single, but obviously it's our our most famous tune. And I'll tell a quick side story about that one. When we first signed to A and M Records, we went out or even before we got signed to A&M, they were courting us and they came to see us, our A&R guy came to see us in New Orleans in our, on our first US tour. And he brought along Peter Buck of REM to come and see us. And uh, the idea was that Peter Buck might be a potential producer for us, but I think mostly he just brought Peter Buck because he wanted to impress us. And uh, so, Peter Buck saw our show and after the show we're all in the dressing room and he starts talking about our set and he mentions Hey Jealousy by name and the reaction of our of our band like all five of us all of a sudden like our ears perked up we all took a step towards him and we really wanted to hear what he had to say about our music and he was obviously paying attention when we were on stage, because he he had figured out the names of the songs, and he during that conversation he also explained that he was learning to play mandolin, mm -hmm. and he was taking mandolin record or lessons. And then the very next record that REM put out was Out of Time, 
And the single, Losing My Religion, features Peter Buck playing mandolin. And the riff on Losing My Religion is essentially the exact same riff of Hey Jealousy. It's the Whoa, I never made that connection. So it was real obvious to us, like right away, holy crap. Here's REM, you know, one of our biggest influences. Yeah. And they they had one of their biggest songs influenced by our music. And, uh, you know, so the way that these things come come around and are, you know, there's like this cycle, this circle of music. Uh, it's it's really cool. And so, yeah, I, I don't have any problem declaring that I'm pretty sure uh, losing my religion was inspired by uh, Hey Jealousy. <laughs> and, yeah, and no jealousy there on the part of Buck. That's great. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Well, you made, yeah. you had a fun side story involving a mandolin. I just thought of another one, cut, or at least from my side. Um, my wife grew up she actually opened for the dixie chicks when she was younger but um so she was all she grew up on was like country and you know um patsy klein and loretta lynn all that you know and then garth and reba obviously but she said that when she was shopping for earrings with her family in claire's jewelry store in the mall and heard found out about you over the speaker was her first introduction to rock music at all and it converted her, man. So that uh, memories of that song, Whispers at the Bus Stop, Nights at the Schoolyard. Like, what do you think about that? Grab my wife's ear. <laughs> that's that's awesome, you know, and that that's that's what, uh, you know, that's what motivates me my whole life. That's what's motivated me to, you know, to be a singer and a songwriter is having those kinds of powerful moments of discovery. And, you know, I've I've been on this path since I was a kid, you know, because I wanted to be like my heroes. Yeah. And, you know, Tom Petty and Robin Zander and, yeah. you know, Paul Stanley and, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, Freddie Mercury and those kind of guys. So, uh, you know, I've I've been doing this all the, all these years because of those kinds of powerful moments, you know. Absolutely. Well, we mentioned really quick. So uh, those two songs, obviously, I think you re-recorded Hey Jealousy and found out about you for the second album, New Miserable Experience in 92. But uh, in addition to those re-recordings, there were a couple big hits that you actually wrote. So I want to ask about the ones that you wrote uh, in, until I until I fall away. And uh, Allison Road, I've lost my mind. What inspired you to actually write those two? Those were those were just as big, if you ask me. Well, uh, the, well, they they did uh, make it. They both made it into the you know, onto the charts. Um, there was actually a moment where Allison Road had made it all the way to number four on the singles chart, and that same week, Madonna was number five. And uh, I thought that was so cool that I, you know, I actually saved and framed uh, that page of Billboard magazine because I just thought it was so cool that my song was. Uh, above Madonna's, but uh, her song was actually 
had made it all the way to number one and it was falling down the charts. Uh, it had just just fallen from number one to number five the week. Remember which Alice one it was? Wrote. What Madonna song was it? Do you remember? No, I, I could I couldn't I say you'd have to you'd have to look at a calendar or whatever to figure that out. But yeah, yeah. um you know I was always very proud of that song. The first the first time we ever played it in in Los Angeles uh, in our early days we would go out to Hollywood every month to uh, play these showcase gigs for labels. And there was a, a guy from the music press that was in the audience and he wrote an article about us. And he said, he was talking about our tunes and he said, Allison Road is the best Tom Petty song that Tom Petty never wrote. Wow. And when, when I read that, I was just like, God damn it. I am on the right path. I am, <laughs> I am, uh, you know, as a, as a, as a songwriter, I, nailed it you know if you could get somebody to think that and put it in an article so uh you know that was a moment of great inspiration for me and last year actually our hometown in tempe arizona renamed uh, a famous street where i used to have my recording studio uh they renamed it allison road avenue and uh, i actually insisted that they call it allison road avenue because if it just said allison road people would think, oh, it's just a street called Allison Road. But uh, and it's named it's a it's a road named after some girl named Allison. But I wanted it to be clear that it was named after the song. So I insisted that they put up signs that say Allison Road Avenue. And I've got uh, I got the city of Tempe to uh, make an extra one of those street signs. And I've got it hanging up in my in my kitchen. So um and then you asked me about until I fall away, I was riding my skateboard through downtown Tempe and I heard I heard music play and there's an amphitheater in downtown called the Hayden Square. And I heard this awesome music and I, I skated over and Crowded House was on stage sound checking. And the 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 song uh they were playing was called Whenever I Fall at Your Feet. And it's this beautiful, beautiful tune that I've I've I started covering several years ago. And when I heard Crowded House doing that song, I thought I need to write something like that. And uh, as it happened, uh, not too long after that, I was uh, I was all broken hearted over a girl. And I, you know, I came up with uh, Until I Fall Away. And when I when we first went to Memphis to record that album, New Miserable Experience, uh, none of my bandmates had heard it yet. And I, I had been trying to get them to rehearse for months, but everybody was so lazy. Nobody would get together to rehearse and nobody wanted to hear any of my new material because we were all really competitive as songwriters and nobody wanted me to get another song on the record. And so I was really pissed off when we got to Memphis because none of the, none of the band had heard any of my newest songs and none of them were going to be on the album. And, I, and so I was I was pouting and I was really pissed off and I was really distant for the first few days that we were in Memphis to record that record. And our producer, John Hampton, he picked up on that vibe. And when I wasn't there, he asked my bandmates, what's going on with Robin? And they said, oh, well, he's pissed off because we're not doing any of his new songs. And John said, well, 
you know, we really need Robin to be into this. So why don't we, why don't we learn something of his? And so all of a sudden the phone rings and it's, it's our producer, John. And he's like, Robin, get your cassette of demos and get back to the studio. We're going to, we're going to learn one of your songs. And so, you know, I went back to the studio with my cassette. I had like six tunes on it. And I, all of a sudden I was like so nervous, like, what if they don't like any of them? You know, what if, what if all of these songs suck? And so I, pl I played them my cassette there in the control room at the studio. And Until I Fall Away was the one that jumped out and we all agreed to, to learn it. And so we started learning it that night. And the next day we came in and tracked the drums. And then that night, they, the, the producer told me, listen, you really need to write a bridge for this song. And so I sat there, uh, you know, it was like midnight. And I was at the, the band house where we were staying. And um, I'm like, all right, you know, you've got to, I've got to step up as a songwriter. I need to write a, a really good bridge for this tune and you know i uh, i came up with the with with the bridge and uh when when we finished the record and we turned it in i remember our a and r guy called me and he said hey robin until i fall away is a great song it's gonna be a hit single and i was like holy holy crap you know <laughs> doug doug is gonna be so jealous um, you know, hey, jealousy. I, just remember, <laughs> I remember thinking Doug is going to be so pissed off that I wrote a single. No, <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, I showed him. Man, you took, you sure did. Man, these are such great stories. Thank you so much for sharing all these. These are this is just like you know crack for for fans of the bands here. Hey, maybe 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 time for for one more. Uh, we'll close out with the double, and it, it's a double whammy. You did it was a double A side, didn't you? Do till I hear it from you and follow you down were sort of released as a double A side. Well, I know the one was till I hear it from you was on the Empire Records soundtrack, the movie. There's another movie tie-in. Uh, but yeah, just t tell me about. Uh, we'll close out with with those two songs um, because I think that I could cue up some music for the radio and really rock out on on those. But uh, yeah, okay, sure, uh, what was the, what was sure. the idea to release those as sort of a double A? Well, uh, actually, the, it was, uh, till, as you said, Till I Hear It From You was on that soundtrack. And then uh, it was about uh, uh, several months after that, that we went back to Memphis to record our second record. Congratulations, I'm sorry. And uh, it was decided, we decided as a group that we didn't want Till I Hear, it, till I Hear it From You on the record. We wanted to write an entire batch of new songs. Uh, but when the album came out in, in Europe, the label over there is like a separate entity and they didn't give us any choice. They just told us that they were putting Till I Hear It From You on the second record. So the European version has both songs, both of those tunes on it, but the US version only has, doesn't have Till I Hear It From You. But um, when we recorded, that record the second album we we completed we thought we were done we we wrapped up the sessions in memphis and we came home and then the label called us and said you need another single you need to write another hit single and they were very clear that we needed to write a hit song and this was the moment where we were under more pressure than any other time in our career because we were following up our 
very successful debut album and we had lost Doug Hopkins as a songwriter so it was it was really on me and Jesse to to write the album and we had to prove to the world that that Doug wasn't the only songwriter in the group so we're under tremendous amount of pressure the label comes to us and says the record isn't done go write a go write a hit and uh, Jesse came up with the chorus for Follow You Down. And then he showed it to Bill and Bill changed uh, or he added a line or uh, helped Jesse sort of refine the lyrics of the of the chorus. And then they gave it to me and there were no verses. Um, there was no lyrics for any of the verses. It was just a chorus and it was on me to like, finish the song and I remember that you know that pressure of feeling like I really got to step up and write something really solid here and when you're when you're writing a song in that fashion somebody gives you a chorus the process is that you have to kind of work backwards from the chorus and come up with a verse that leads you to the lyrics of the chorus and so you kind of have to reverse engineer it and uh, find out, figure out what is the rest of the story that you're telling. And, you know, the, the chorus is kind of like the punchline. And I know that Dave Chappelle does this. He uh, apparently he has a list of punchlines and then he writes the rest of the joke around the punchline. And that's that's kind of what it's like when you're uh, when you're uh, working as a songwriter and somebody gives you a chorus, you you have to work backwards and figure out what the rest of the story is. And so uh, that's how I approached it. And we wrote Follow You Down and it went on to become a top 10 single and we performed it on Saturday Night Live and Letterman and The Tonight Show. And, um, you know, the record went platinum and, you know, we, uh, we had a number one hit in Canada and also in the Philippines uh, with that song. And, you know, it's a, it's a really proud moment for the band to have faced down all of that tremendous pressure and the weight of losing Doug Hopkins and, and writing a, 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 a classic song that stood up to the rest of our material was, was an important step for us. And so uh, we'll be starting tonight's show with Follow You Down, actually. So it, it's a great way to start the gig. You know? Oh, that's awesome. When you say tonight, where, where, where are you playing tonight? Because this is pre. We're we're in Northern California okay. in, uh, in um, what is it called? Santa Rosa is the name okay. of the town, and we're playing at a really fancy schmancy casino up here. So. <laughs> well, win win some money or something at the casino, and then come on in, ready to rock us at in Falls Church, Virginia, at the State Theater, and then Ramshead, yes. Annapolis, Maryland, a legendary spot, like you said. So Robin Wilson of Jim Blossoms will be fronting this time the Smithereens, a band he grew up listening to. I've I've loved hearing all these stories. I guess this we we uh, here in DC Mar or Maryland, Virginia, will be your last two chances to warm up for the the legendary Ryman Auditorium in Nashville on the twenty fourth. So you know. Work it out with that electric guitar, man. Yeah, I, I certainly will. I'm I'm very excited about it. And, you know, love the State Theater. Love uh, love playing in Annapolis at the Ram's Head. I'm looking forward to a, a, a big plate of shepherd's pie down at the Ram's Head. And, uh, you know, been, I love both of these joints. I love playing with the smithereens, and I can't wait to rock.
Awesome. Well, we're, anywhere you go, our listeners will follow you down. All right, we'll, we'll talk to you later. Thank you so much for taking so much time with us today. It's my, my pleasure. Thank you, Jason. Have a great day. Everybody, rock away. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. 